and welcome back to another episode of The Riff. My name is Lauren and I am here today with Cameron. Cameron, how are you? Good, thanks, Lauren. Good to be back. Been a bit of a hiatus, but we're back into it for 2021. We are. We are. Happy 2021 to all of our listeners. How you been, Lauren? Very good. Very good. Enjoyed my Christmas break. What about yourself? Yeah, good. Enjoyed the Christmas break as well. It's been a distant memory now, but... Uh, yes. We're, we're, we're back into it hard. We've been very busy and um, it's one of the reasons why I guess we've had a bit of a delay getting the podcast out, but we're back. Got some exciting things planned for the year and um, I think we should get into it. Let's get into it. Um, so today we are talking about crime, um, hence why I'm so eager. I know, crime time's back. First crime one in time. 2021. 20, 2021 crime time. Um, so today we're talking about young people in the crime. Um, okay. In effect, uh, we are talking about the minimum age of criminal responsibility, otherwise known as... The Dolly Incapax. Yes, the Dolly Incapax, as, as Cameron wonderfully <laughs> put it. Um, so, the minimum age of criminal responsibility, otherwise known as Dolly Incapax, yep. is effectively talking about how old does a person have to be to be criminal, criminally responsible for their actions. So, by that, Lauren, you mean like how old... Do you need to be to be charged? Yeah. yeah. So, um, I mean, how old do you need to be to come before the court and be found that you committed this act and you are responsible for it? Yep. So, the current state of play is that across all Australian jurisdictions, the minimum age of criminal responsibility is 10. So, any person under the age of 10 in any Commonwealth state um, is determined not to be criminally responsible. And that's for any crime? Any crime. Okay. Um, now, this is a, this is effectively prescribed by um, Section 4M of the Crimes Act 1914 and the New South Wales legislation is Section 5 of the Children, brackets, Criminal Proceedings Act mm-hmm. 1987. So this limits the prosecution of any child under yep. the age of 10. Um Now, although this might be any child under the age of 10, um, there's still that sort of bracket between 10 to 14 where kids are still kids, but maybe they're kids. The tween stage. The tween stage, (laughs) yes. Um, Now, in between 10 and 14, this is where Dolly Incapax sort of really comes to light in our court system. Yep. Because in between 10 and 14... There's an obligation on the prosecution to rebut the presumption, so to show that the child has the capacity to be criminally responsible. Yeah. Now, there's this obligation to sort of prove that the kids just aren't being naughty, they're committing a criminal act and they're really aware of that criminal act. So I imagine that for that threshold to be reached and for the prosecution to try and, you know, make that argument, we're talking about a serious crime here. We're not talking about, you know, like maybe a shoplifting or something like that it's something a bit more serious than that yeah so it, it it really does depend on the circumstances for every offense i mean a really sort of key way to put it into the mind of someone is that a child throwing rocks through their school window because they've had a bad day at school yep there's this differentiation of are you allowed to throw rocks through your window at home and if it, obviously not. Yeah. So if a child can go, no, I'm not allowed to do that and therefore understands that that's wrong, can they be held responsible? Because if they've just had a really bad day at school, 
and they've just decided to flip their lid as a child and chuck a temper tantrum. Yeah. And they live right near their school. But if they're able to sort of distinguish that what they were doing was committing an offence and they knew that they were doing what they were doing was wrong, can they be held responsible? That's almost, you know, a different thought process to what it is for adults, you know. For adults is you did the wrong thing, you're going to be punished. Whereas did you know the wrong? it was the wrong thing doesn't even come into play. When you're an adult and you're committing these types of offences, ignorance of the law is not a defence. Mm-hmm. The only sort of quasi-similar type of defence is if you don't have the capacity to understand yep. criminal offences. So it is this kind of grey area that children fall under. I mean, when it comes to whether the prosecution have rebutted the presumption of Darlene Capax... It's a case called RP and the Queen, and it's from 2016. And this sort of prescribes that the prosecution really have to prove that the children understand that what they were doing was a criminal offence and they weren't just being naughty kids. Yeah. Um, And I imagine that that would fall into play for certain crimes and not others. So The more serious the offence, the greater likelihood that the presumption will be rebutted. I mean, children learn from a young age, you know, not to hurt people. So if they understand that they can't hurt someone and they've gone out and hurt someone really badly, that's that kind of differentiation where they're going to be able to say they knew they can't hurt someone really badly and that's exactly what they've done, if that's proven, of course. Yeah. So... In effect, under 10, children can't be prosecuted. 10 to 14, prosecution have to prove um, the the rebuttal. Now, the standard of proof is also something to note. Um, They have to prove the rebuttal of Dolly Incapax beyond a reasonable doubt. So So it cannot be thought at all that this child didn't understand. So from a criminal lawyer's perspective, I can tell you that it's very hard to rebut the presumption. Most people... um, don't expect kids under the age of 14 to understand criminal matters. No. And especially when they're facing criminal criminal consequences, yep. especially when they're facing things like intervention in, in their lives by corrections officers um, or even full-time custodial sentences at, at yep. juvenile correction centres. And you've got to think about what, you know, the damage would be to that child of doing that at such a young age as That's well. That's it. So, so how this has actually come to our podcast topics yep. um, is that in 2018, the Attorney Generals of all jurisdiction uh, met and they put uh, Dolly and Capax on the discussion list and they decided that they were going to look back at the recommendations made from all areas of justice. So yep. whether it be solicitors, police officers, social workers... All the kind of cover the field, get everyone's opinion on it. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, a lot of it um, is to do with the fact that kids at the age of 14 today are very different yep. to the kids at the age of when it was the first Crimes Act of 1914 was brought in. Yep. I don't think they had Snapchat in 1914. No, or even TV to see what a crime was. That's it. Like no that. one was yep. watching Law and Order. Yep, absolutely. Um, that's an aged reference. <laughs> <laughs> So I think bringing this to the discussion board now is very much the right thing um, to have a look at what's different. But so, the, well, but there's now two schools of thought. Well, there is. I, I From what I've kind of read and researched through on this podcast, it is that, you know, there's the people that say that the age should be lowered because, like you said, 
young children now have a greater awareness of what the law is and when not to break it. Or the other side is it needs to be raised because they're just kids. <laughs> That's it. So, I mean, alongside the kids today have a greater awareness of crime is that society today has a greater awareness of the effect of different things on children's brains, children's development. Which they didn't have when the Crime Act was... Um... That's it. Back, back in those days, it was, this is the offence, this is the penalty, that's all there is to it. Now, there's a lot greater respect and understanding for social science, psychology, um, brain development, all of that type of thing. So, when they initially got all of the information together... Um, for the COAGS group, there was a great influx of information in terms of what the children's developmental process is. And a lot of the information, in effect, outlined that to intervene in a child's life that early with something like criminal intervention, criminal proceedings, all the way up to juvenile corrections, could have a great impact on their development mentally. So, So when they looked at what the arguments were it was whether the minimum age of criminal responsibility should be hired um, on the basis that rather than intervening on a criminal scape to try and intervene in a social scape so if a child is behaving this way find out the reasons why and address those rather than bring them before the court so that they can be held responsible for their criminal actions which is a different thought process to what it's been for the last 20 or 30 years that's it. Yeah. That's it. So, it, and if you look at an adult, an adult committing an offence, they're brought before the court, and a big aspect of it is um, general deterrence. So, showing to the community that that kind of behaviour is not acceptable. Specific deterrence. So, showing that that person that their behaviour is not acceptable. Some type of justice and and punishment for yeah. the person. And then there is also a consideration of rehabilitation. So when you're coming before the court as an adult, they take into account a great aspect of rehabilitation. And as a child, kind of need to, to amp the pressure up on the rehabilitation That's aspects. That's right. They're, they're so young, you know, they've got so much of their life ahead of them that they, you know, you want them back out in the community. They will probably get back out in the community as well at some stage. That's it. And it serves, it serves no one any good to have a child being punished to a criminal standard if instead you can intervene and give that child a chance to be in the community in a positive way. Absolutely. And didn't this kind of whole aspect of the Dolly Incapax come into play with that very famous case that happened in the UK about... The Jamie Bolger case? That's right, yeah. That's right, that's right. So, I mean, it was always sort of on the the discussion list for lawyers and um, anybody really in the criminal justice system, but I think it came into society's forefront and, and became the topic to discuss after this case. So for any of our listeners that, listeners that don't know about this case, um, it was a case in the UK where two young children um, unfortunately and, and awfully um, inflicted some serious pain on a two-year-old child. And they were eight and ten, I believe, were they? Yeah. Yep. So um, the ten-year-old was found criminally responsible and yep. the eight-year-old was held responsible but was later released. Yep. Um, in effect, what happened in, t- in the court system there, and I won't go too much into the awful details of it because um, certainly our listeners can do their yeah. own researching, but the when it was later looked at, the 10-year-old was found to be the 
the sort of the driving force behind the incident itself and the eight-year-old was found to follow and if you look at that kind of dynamic where there is a 10-year-old who's sort of leading the reins, an eight-year-old is not going to have the capacity to say, I disagree with what's happening. They're being confronted with a lot of information in that short time period on Mm -hmm. its own. Um, And that was, in effect, the argument of you can't hold this eight-year-old criminally responsible when he, unfortunately, was just along for the ride. Yeah. Um, And, I mean, it was determined that he had some role to play in it, but he was certainly not to that same standard. And I think the biggest thing to take out of this as well is that it's case by case. That's so exactly we can't it. say, even though this is a g- general uh, principle of law, what we can't do is say that, you know, in this circumstance it will apply this way, which will be the same in, you know, another similar case. Exactly. And and the, the difficult thing as well, and even, you know, we could sit and discuss every case authority that is around for young persons, that you cannot create a dot point checkbox list that will fit every child. Every child has different aspects of development, even just by where we live. Yep. I mean, children that live in the city are going to have great understanding of the train network, but kids that live in the country will be able to tell you how to effectively do something in the country. Yeah. Um, you don't come from the country, do you, Like. Kind of. <laughs> <laughs> I guess Penrith is a country. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it depends who you ask. Um, <laughs> So, in effect, it's very difficult to to be able to give a real sort of guideline, but we can say where the significant benchmarks are, and that's under the age of 10 and then 10 to 14. Um, But I'd love to hear what all of our listeners think about this. I'd love to hear whether they think that it should be increased and children um, under the age of 16 shouldn't be held criminally responsible or lower it. If you think that 11 to 12-year-olds or whatever age understand... Tell us and tell us why you think that. It's a very interesting concept, Lauren, because um, like most, you know, contentious points of the law, I can see both sides of the argument here. That's the hardest part. <laughs> so hardest I know part. it's hard to say I sit on the fence, but it's just, it's one of those things where it's a case by case. and It is. And especially when we're talking about this. Um, I don't have the statistics in front of me, but it's not something that comes up every day. No, exactly. And I think because... When it comes to these types of matters, and one argument for this, and I'm, I'm sure if you ask people from the, you know, all walks of the criminal justice system, it's very difficult for a police officer to bring that charge um, when it might not be prosecuted. Mm. And if they if they're taking if they're picking them up and they're bringing them, and no police officer realistically wants to take a child and arrest a child. Oh, absolutely. Um, so it's very difficult to understand whether the statistics are an accurate reflection to what actually occurs. Um, yep. You know, it's it's one of those things that you really have to go on all the information that you can get. And then I think when it comes down to it, it can be somewhat of a moral decision. Mm-hmm. Would you feel okay sending a child away? Yeah. Um, and if you weren't going to send that child away, what would you want to do? Yeah. You know, which is all that stuff that you're talking before that community social aspect. That's it. That's it. Um, so other than that, I think that um, that, that kind of wraps, wraps up, it up. Yeah. Wraps up Dolly Ink Packs. As I said before, we'd love to hear what our listeners think. Yeah. Um, it is a contentious topic, so we'd love to know what everyone's school of thought is. Yep, absolutely. Uh, and as per always, you can all find us um, on our Facebook page, Adams and Partners Lawyers. We've got a website, www.adamslawyers.com.au. 
uh, or feel free to send us an email to info at adamslawyers.com.au. Uh, and if you're enjoying the podcast and, uh, you know, have any feedback for us or want to hear about a specific, to yeah, specific topic, uh, just, yeah, send something through to us. Uh, but other than that, Lauren, uh, great to see you. And great I guess we'll, we'll be back again soon. Thanks, everyone, for listening. See ya. Bye.